eight hours of in the sun teaching. Yeah, it's just nuts. The energy out is crazy. Right. If, if any of my students listen to this, I'll probably get a chuckle out of it. But part of it is, I, I, I mean, I'm pretty relaxed. It's not, it's not super serious with me where we're just like full on grinding. Yeah, because there is a lot of like life talk, what's going on. How's the fam? How's everything? I mean, we're talking from elite professionals in terms of other industries, you know, where we're talking physicians and lawyers and business owners and CEOs. And I work with all these guys as well. Mm-hmm. And these guys need, I mean, they need more therapy than anyone. They just need, they love just, hey, let's just talk and what's going on. Yes. And I'm close with all of them. So I know what's going on with their family. I know what's going on with their kids. And part of it is this huge release thing, right? Mm-hmm. So then from that, they started hitting a couple golf shots in front of me. You think those golf shots get pretty good? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, right? So then you get this whole thing. They're like, bro, I've never hit a bad shot in front of you. And I'm <laughs> like, well, I don't know. I've seen a couple weird ones. But <laughs> that's the whole point, right? So we get into a certain spot where you're just kind of letting it go. And you talk about this flow. So the question, of course, is how do we... How do we marry those two, right? How do we we get that where I'm not? Because I can't start a full-time caddy business, which could be interesting, right? Let's talk about that. Right. (laughs) So we got to set something up where you can get into that space personally, because obviously you perform at a different level when you're in that space, Mm -hmm. right? All right. Welcome back, everybody. We have Brent Snyder in the house today, and it is unbelievably inspiring stuff. Really awesome. I mean, Brent is a big-time teacher, director of instruction over at Troy Byrne Golf Club. Um, Very invested in students, and you can tell that he's just all about helping them grow and get better. Brent is also playing himself at a high level. He This year, he won the singles uh, PGA match play for Minnesota section. He also won the uh, four-ball a teammate match play for the Minnesota section and he I believe he lost in a playoff in the section championship this year so still playing at a really high level himself and it's just really fun to talk golf with him so let's get right into it we got Brent Snyder let's go the PGA owns obviously the PGA championship and the Ryder Cup and for some reason, uh, we're still we're still letting the top twenty um, get into that PGA, and uh, I forget what the exemption is uh, worldwide for a PGA Championship. I think it's seventy five, top seventy five in the world, or something like that. Okay. So you and I both know I'm not number seventy six, uh, <laughs> but for some reason, this PGA uh, decides that it's a it's a really nice gesture for the top twenty playing professionals in the country to have that spot in the PGA Championship. So. What an amazing I, deal they do it, that. It's really unbelievable. Uh, it really is. And I know enough of them out there to almost feel bad. Um, these guys, you know, are playing full-time and trying to get starts. And, you know, to think that I'm taking a major start away from a tour player is sometimes hard to digest. Um, at, I did earn it, and I, I did get through, but... Um, it's a very different way to get there than a tour player. You know, you think of a tour player trying to work themselves into the top 75 in the world. That's a that's a daunting journey. Oh, yeah. And I need to get through 36 holes in a section championship, and then I need to get through 72 holes in a national championship. And the way it shakes out for the past 10 years, if you can 
if you can throw even par or better down for 72 holes in a championship event, you're going to be playing in the PGA Championship. That's incredible. That number basically always gets through. So uh, I play great at Philly. Philly Cricket Club's this old style, just tight, bouncy, just really got to kind of control your ball and navigate it around. Um, I am not considered long by anyone's stretch of the imagination. So I need those kind of shop-making courses to to really make it work. And um, that's how I got into Whistling Straits and played the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits. Wow. So you got to play in a PGA Championship. Talk to us about the process of what it's like to qualify or how you even qualify, you know, starting with sections to be able to play in a PGA Championship. The section championship is is something um, next spring, I think, is number 10 for me for national championship. Mm-hmm. And um, it's amazing the amount of weight and stress you put on uh, for those top eight. Um, we've got a... We've got a very talented section with a lot of great players, and um, nothing nothing is given in this game. So going into a section championship is always just about um, making sure that that eight is covered. It depends on how many players you have enter into the field, and Minnesota is usually between seven and nine that go to the national championship. So we have this section championship, and then you work towards nationals, which is now always an April event is a formerly a um, June-July event because the PGA Championship was always in August. Mm. And now it's it's very interesting being an April event as the PGA Championship is in May. And it's, uh, for me, um, you know, working full-time, um, having a national championship in April for a Northern boy is a little interesting. Right. Um, I don't take the winners off and... Um, play full-time in the winter or anything like that. I'll play in a couple national events here and there, but most of the time I'm working full-time. So, um, you know, my stuff is really built off of reps getting going. So usually when I get going in the summer, if I have an event a week or two events a week or something like that, I can start to get a flow, kinda get a flow going and get a little bit comfortable. And um, So you're up here, up north in the winter? I am, yeah, yeah. We teach year-round, and uh, our type of clientele... Uh, works on it year round as well, so we stay we stay pretty busy. You, you are know. so busy, and we're gonna get into your teaching and yeah, yeah, and, and the company and everything. That's yep. so awesome. But yep. um, so if you make it to nationals, is that usually down in Georgia? Yeah, so it varies. Um, the the PGA has moved it around uh, to a variety of locations. Um, we've played beautiful, um, beautiful spots. We've been out to Sun River mm-hmm. uh, in Oregon multiple times. Um, I got through. It was 2015 or 2016, I forget, at the Philadelphia Cricket Club. So I snuck through the top 20 there. So what was it like coming down the stretch at the Nationals? Like I was an in- absolute hot mess. I was playing unbelievable. Um, there's so many good stories, um, but I, I I had complete control over my ball that week, and by about 11, it was both hands on the wheel. Let's and go. we're <laughs> we're literally trying to keep it on the planet. So I um, I made a, a really good par on fifteen, sixteen. I made a loose bogey. Seventeen's like four forty five. Dog leg left. Um, I haven't hit a ball left with my driver since I started playing this game. So I always fade the ball. So dog leg left's not a good show for me. So I hit driver, and it's a back right pin. 
and which I can go at with my fade and one hopped it dead, literally dead, just short right and mm. hit a good shot to eight feet and then horseshoed it and made bogey. No. So I'm, I'm on the number and my wife's constantly on the phone. Her name is Courtney. Her nickname's Coco. And I'm walking to the 72nd hole and I'm like, Coco, what do we got to do? She's like, you make par and you're in the PGA championship. She's caddying for you? No, my brother, Carlos, his name is Kyle, but okay. uh, Carlos is the infamous caddy. Um, he's a social worker in the school system, okay. so he has summers off. So Kyle's been on my bag for over 10 years. That's awesome. So it's a, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely some shots per round, probably, just because he knows my game so well. And I mean, there's a there's a lot going on there, and there's a lot of comfort there keeps logs of all my numbers from all my tournaments so are you like, serious we know every shot from four years ago at some pro-am mm. and um the way we play the game and the way we see things the visual of that is you know he can tell me it's like well two years ago we knocked down seven and it's like four yards off of that feel because i'm such a feel guy and i'm not a technical guy that you know i can i can relive some of those feels rather than just hitting hitting some number where it's like hey it's a 1037 a yeah exactly seven iron i don't work that way but yeah i love he can that. say hey or even in the midst of a round i think it's important right and i say this to my players all the time but you can be you can hit some hit some eight iron say it's 159 you got an eight iron you got a shot that's 164 two holes later it's a lot easier for me to work five yards off of a field than you know have a clock system totally. number. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to the 72nd <laughs> hole, and Coco's like, you need par, and you're in the PGA Championship, and I'm about ready to throw up. And if it's 465, dog leg left, and there's a bunker on the left corner, and I'm like, you just, I mean, you got to dance with the one that you brought. So I send driver just up the left side, and it fades into the middle. Ooh. And I get, um, I had 162 to a back left, and, eight iron of my life and then tried to figure out how to two putt it from eight feet <laughs> and then what you did just knock it right yeah, up there. Ser- yeah i'm just seriously trying to figure out how to not i mean it was brutal yeah just leg it up there from okay eight. the best story ever uh carrie haggs the tournament director basically for the pga of america and he sets up all the golf courses for the pga championship and everything and dave tennis is legendary um head pro at troy burn and doesn't play much anymore and as i was kind of coming up and getting some things going he said brent you're gonna you're you're gonna know when you get that handshake from from carrie Hag." and he says welcome to the pga championship that'll be a really big moment for you and this was before i was even remotely even thinking about i was just trying to get through sections and stuff like that and so to have that time and to have carrie stick out his hand and shake my hand and say man welcome to the pga championship you're just flooded you know my life is built on gratitude and perspective and um just caring about caring about people. That's all I. That's all it is. It's just trying to serve people, and to have some of those moments, or it's it's over, overwhelming stuff, you know. That's and then like, of course, right? It's all just it's all just unbelievable from there when you actually get to the tournament and how you're treated and all that stuff. I mean, that's incredible. I think that's something that we all kind of dream about, and everyone has those moments in their head. Yeah, it's just wild. You know, it's it's humbling. It's it, it's so many different things. Um, you know, and I think if anything, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be to that stage whatsoever. It's just in anything in life, it's just about stepping through some of these things that are super uncomfortable. 
And then you just you start stepping through some stuff and things look a little bit different. You can start making some deposits basically in the confidence bank. You know, it's just our game is littered with negativity because it's so unbelievably difficult. Mm. It's so brutal. I mean, it's so hard. And, you know, it's really hard to win a golf tournament. It's just really, really hard. And we spend a lot of time, you know, Ricky Bobby in it and getting first loser and all this stuff. And I learn a lot more um, not winning events than I do winning events, you know. you got to learn from the failures. Yeah. So I was talking to Hunter Hoagland, who's one of your new students. Yeah. And he was saying, um, one of the things that Brent does really well is he instills confidence in me. Like, he gives me this confidence that I just couldn't imagine I've never got from someone else. And I can tell by the way you talk about your game, you kind of have that confidence. Where, where do you feel like you've picked this up, or is it over time? Or? Uh, yeah, I think it's time, and um, I think, you know, the deal with the students is, you know, most of them are a lot better than they think they are, and they spend a lot of time feeling like they're not good enough, or they are just go dark. Like, yeah. I, just, I can't believe how dark so many people get. Um, obviously, for me, with my perspective and my lifestyle and, and having changed my life when, you know, I was 19 and you know, getting sober and having over two decades of sobriety is, uh, that'll give you some perspective real quick. Um, you know, I, I've got pretty much a second chance at everything. So I'm not going to go too dark. My wife might say something else, but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I try to take it pretty level. And, you know, my ability then to translate that to my players is... Um, it's definitely something that I'm aware of and that I, I do know it's an asset that I have, but it's built out of uh, respect and compassion because I know how difficult it is. Yeah, and this is something that I definitely struggle with is yeah. like, you know, you want to say good things to yourself. I think it's really important that people understand that as you say, you, I don't, I don't know where I'm at. I'm not even close to where I want to be and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to try to keep getting better. I understand I've got some results behind me, but they're behind me. I'm just as nervous as any other dude. It's not like, and I've had the same conversation with Mr. Woods. He's like, bro, we get nervous. It's just we go back to what that tape is in our head and what we've done and what we've worked through, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get that experience sitting on the couch. Like, I have to put myself out there. Yeah. You start putting yourself out there and you start getting into some different events you start get it gets weird. Getting uncomfortable. It, yeah, you just have to like embrace the weird. You have to embrace the uncomfortable. And um, you know, as I pass that along to to juniors and to my players and to good players, it's really interesting watching them break through. I, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. Um, some of them, and I'm not I, by any stretch. I'm not a technical teacher by any. There are so many unbelievably smart people. Um, I got a pretty good idea of how you can get it done. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that includes short game and mental work and all this other stuff. But I let my guys do them and my girls, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't have two players that swing at the same. Um, and I don't have two identical body types. Well, just going back to what you were saying about getting uncomfortable on the course, I was a football guy all through college. Yeah. So I played at St. Thomas, then I got into the PJ after I just fell in love with golf. Right. And in some of the first tournaments I played in, you know, you shoot okay playing with your friends and stuff. And then you get yeah. out there and you're, you know, 10 over through five holes. Yeah. And you're like, what am I yeah, doing? Yeah, I don't know what, and we all feel that. And I don't know what that vulnerability is to this game. And it's it's a real thing where, um, 
I don't know if you feel like there's more eyes on you or there's massive ego issues. There's massive pride issues. Mm. There's a lot of things that go through our head. Um, and you see it with people's reactions. You see it with the thigh slapping. You see it, you see it with finger snapping to try to get a ball to slow down, putting a club in a bag a little bit firmer than necessary. And you start seeing these reactions, and it's, it's this idea that, look, I'm better than the shot that I just hit, and I basically need you to know that, which is insane. I mean, we're all, it's really, really hard. Like, it's really, really difficult, and I'm pretty certain that we're all trying to do the best that we can with what we have to work with. Yeah, and it's probably not having your identity attached to whatever the yeah. result is. Yeah, I mean, is. You, you have that discussion with players early on in their careers that are you really going to tie your emotional stability to a golf shot? Because mm. that's going to be one exhausting career. Yeah. You a know lot what of I'm people saying? do. Unbelievable. Right? Unbelievable. Yeah. So I think, honestly, that's probably why we've we've had so much success with our players is we just get right in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm able to get right in there and be super honest with people due to my personal lifestyle choices and, and having a different perspective, being basically dead and come back. So you can start looking at things a little bit different. So then less is out of bounds. Like I'm not like I'm not too worried about stuff because I'm super honest with people and I tell them. I tell them what it is, and I tell them what I'm going through, yeah. and then they start feeling the same thing, and it's like they can talk to me about it. That's awesome. It's so important to build that connection yeah. with people. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a huge part of it. You know, it's a lot more therapy session than it is a golf lesson. That's life. Yeah. So yeah. you say you were dead. I mean, what? I know you talked about how you're sober. Yeah, so I got sober it. when I was 19. Uh, you know, it's just uh, I, I've got an allergy to alcohol. It's just what alcoholism is, and um, so I. I mean, we don't need to go into the long and the short of it, but basically they kind of brought me back and uh, <laughs> had a bunch of smart people say, you probably ought to not keep up what you're doing or you're not going to last very long. And uh, I got tied in with um, I got tied in with the program and uh, I spend a great amount of my life now uh, in the program and trying to serve the program and serve others. And golf just happens to happens to be something that uh, kind of works its way into into my lifestyle, basically. Yeah, because you said you started in the business world and then you jumped back. Yeah, into golf. so when I uh, when I got out of uh, when I got out of business school, I graduated from Daniel's College of Business, and my father's career was with 3M. He had a great career. Um, it afforded us. We traveled the world and we lived in Europe, and it was an unbelievable experience. But it also seemed um, taxing on him. Um, mm. He had a big position, and it seemed somewhat taxing on him. And I wasn't too certain about the that corporate world getting out of business school. And I remember the conversation with my parents um, after them writing some checks for me <laughs> for business school. And I said, you know, I'm just not certain about this. I'm going to take a job uh, at Oak Glen in Stillwater uh, as just a, a assistant professional. And I'm just going to kind of see what the summer brings. This was uh, 02 when I graduated from college. And, um, I mean, it's game over from there, basically. So... I dabbled in a little bit of lessons here and there, and that very first winter I got tied in with Sea Island, Georgia. I had family down there, and um, Sea Island, Georgia, for decades has been almost a mecca. You know, Davis Love um, Jr., and now Davis Love III, and um, Matt Kuchar, and Zach Johnson, and Snedeker was down there for a while, and now it's even more. You know, it's Hudson Swafford, and Harris English, and Brian Harmon, and it's just everyone's down there all the time so to be around 
tour players on a on a regular basis to be able to play with them to be able to hit balls with them um there's just education comes pretty quick right we always say in anything in life you learn a lot more walking to class than you do in class yes right? so we gotta we gotta figure out how to put ourselves in various positions where we can always feel like we're the student yeah, you just never want to be a teacher in life. You know, and that's coming from a supposed teaching pro. I'm always the student, right? I and mean, that's the just, mindset. You always have to be growing and 100%, learning. Hundred percent. If you're not learning, something's just a bit off. And that is so true. But how many people, you know, how many golf pros do you think actually take that mindset to work every day, or just uh, people? In God, general? I'd love to say all of them, huh? I'd love to say all of them. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, a lot of the guys I spend right time with, I, I've got great respect for our section. Uh, I don't know. We surround ourselves usually with great people. Yeah, for That's sure. That's the hope. And I, you got to talk about this Seal Island, you said? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really so know much about it. So it's in southern Georgia. It's about an hour north of Jacksonville and about an hour south of Savannah. Okay. Um, they play a tour event there every year. Um it's a hotel. It's five star five diamond facility. It's the only five star five diamond property um, in the country, so it's um, fairly <laughs> exclusive and high end. But it's absolutely gorgeous. And you worked there? I did for years, every winter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you got to be around all these guys and play yeah. with them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. So it's good. That's so a- I've been back now for fourteen years, which is crazy. I'm at my fourteenth year at uh, Troyburn as a director of instruction. I came back up originally to help Dave with the business, and Troy Byrne was getting going. It's an absolutely unbelievable property. And um, as my teaching business kind of kept going up and up, I realized I needed to kind of start my own company and mm. slowly work my way out of the golf shop and the operations just to be exclusive teaching. Right. And so now it's just mainly your company? Yeah, so it's been 10-plus years where it's just teaching full-time and then uh, still trying to dabble in a couple events here and there. Yeah, so you're so busy with teaching. Yeah. Like, and I see your feed. You're always rocking yeah, yeah, with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you said, you know, when you get to play, I mean, when you see me swinging, you know, it's an event or something. You're not practicing it. Right, time. correct. How do you get the flow? Or how do you perform so um, well? I don't know. It's a great question. I get asked it a lot. Um, when I'm with students, um, a lot of what I do golf swing-wise technique stuff would be uh, winter work. And then in the summer, we're chipping and putting mm-hmm. and on course. And it's been a little interesting this year. I usually spend probably 70 80% of my time with lessons on course in the summer months because I have so many tournament players. Mm. Um, they're not trying to, I'm not trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing with your golf swing. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to get the ball in the hole faster. Yeah, for sure. So um, the technique side of stuff, I'm pretty loose on that. Um, to a to a point, <laughs> yeah. but um, I chip and pot with them a little bit. Um, my really good players will play matches with them and and stuff nice. like that. But uh, yeah, I definitely don't hit range balls. If I have a free second, I um, will be on course. Like I'll go in a little early, maybe, or stay a little late, depending. Right. And I'll be on course throwing golf balls down around the green or certain shots that I know are coming up in the event that I have. Because mm, wow. I know events and I know the shots that are going to be needed for a certain hole location or something like that. You seem very thoughtful with it, especially when you're playing events like you said with your Yeah, caddy. I think, you know, as a sake of time, we, we look for efficiency and we look at and how we can maximize our, our time. Yeah. Um, time is uh, certainly a commodity. And um, I, I'd much rather spend most of my time 
serving others. So when I try to figure out a moment for myself, I'm going to, I'm going to maximize that time. Yeah, that's awesome. But I mean, when we're going, we're going, right? I mean, when you're hitting a good, you don't have to worry about too much stuff because you're going to be hitting 15, 16, 17 greens and you don't have to worry about it and hope you can make some putts. But when it gets a little weird, uh, you got to have a short game. So I spend a little more time just chipping and putting than I do anything else. So have you ever felt lost in the last few years with the swing? Um, Sure, yeah. I mean, I can... I mean, my draw is like a professional pull. So, <laughs> yes. like, I've been dabbling and trying to get a little right path here and there and a little left face. And uh, I've got some really smart people that I send my swing to. And they basically say the same thing to me every time. They're like, bro, it's not changing. You're not doing anything. It's the same thing. <laughs> no. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is totally draw bias. <laughs> it seems as though we want what we don't have sometimes as players. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty good at letting that ball fall right off the tee. And uh, I th- it served me really well. Um, know where it's going. So I know where it's going. I know what it's doing, and um, it's it's reliable. So there's there's a certainly a comfort in that. Um, it's pretty exclusive with the uh, elite players that I work with, and then on the tour, that ball's gonna be falling right off the tee. There's really? not a lot of guys trying to work it underneath and then try to time it out from there. Rory's obviously an exception to that rule, but uh, with the athletes that we have. Uh, and the technology and the equipment. I mean, basically everyone's playing a strong face fade. Really? So they just get it really bowed, and they get their left wrist inflection, and then they just make sure that that hip's getting out of the way, and they just rotate, and you can keep the face late by rotating, and there you go. go. Yeah, you talk about club face. Um, I've seen a lot. Like, club face is one of the key things. Club face is king, period. Um, The technology is unbelievable. Um, I've just started with a launch monitor. FlightScope reached out to me. Um, it's a long story. It's a pretty funny story. Um, at the time, got? at the time, I was the only top 100 under 40 that didn't teach with a launch monitor. Come on. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, you're kidding me. Yeah. You're like, no. Everyone in your position is teaching with a launch monitor. And my thought immediately is, what about my players? Do you think my players need those numbers? Do you think my players need to know that data? Yeah. My other instructor, Peter Mackey, is an absolute brilliant instructor, and he's like, bro, what are you doing? You have to measure this. Right. You need to know what's going on in all your players for data. Well, I'm like, guy. I don't care. I just want them to shoot lower scores. I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, you're a field guy, so you're probably like, whatever. So you know, now that you have the data, it's pretty interesting, and you can start putting some numbers to it. But Do you dig it? Uh, no. Not no. really. It's fine. It's brilliant. I mean, it's absolutely amazing, the information. Yeah. Uh, we use it for their carry numbers, um, mm-hmm. so they're pretty dialed in in all their wedges. And it, it's absolutely imperative for a good player to know their pattern. Yeah. And I don't care if your pattern's a hot mess. If you know your pattern, you can play. Right. Um, and it's not when it's good. You need to know what your slap looks like. You need to know what your ugly stuff is. That's such a good idea. I mean, that's stuff that we all need to be doing more of. Yeah, we just try that. to get it around. I mean, and and you see enough. You see enough with tour players as well. They're not. It's not like fourteen fairways and eighteen greens. Yeah. I mean, those guys are unbelievable. Yeah, they'll hit nine greens and shoot sixty-five. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. So yeah, you have had so much success in our section, and you you know you're, you're playing well right now. Um, when you go play with some of these guys, you know, you talked about distance. What other things are they, you know, so amazing at? 
Yeah, I think, you know, you learn a lot, certainly management-wise, and, you know, we we hit to positions. It's rare. I mean, the joke, of course, is I play some pro-ams, and I'll bring my buddies that are, you know, clients and stuff. And some of my friends, my regulars, my father-in-law plays, and a couple of my... They're like 7 to 12 handicap range. Yeah. <laughs> and... They're going literally at every single pin, and I might hit at like three pins in a round, right? And at times, I may have control over my golf ball. And at times, let's be honest, they don't have any control over their golf ball, and they're going at every single pin, and I'm hitting away from pins. I find some serious (laughs) issue with that. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, for sure. And how do you... That's kind of probably part of the fun of just being an amateur too, because you're oh, so yeah. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. They're just whatever. Just yeah. have a good time. They're just, I'm gonna fire it. What are you talking about? I'm going at a pin. Yeah. I mean, you protect par. A great player makes their score based off of avoidance. A great player doesn't make their score off of conversion. You right. So I don't know. You probably you probably average two to four birdies around something like that. Yeah, I'd say right about there. Right, you're a great player, and you average two to four birdies around. Is your scoring average two to four under par every single time? It's not even, not even whatever close. your scoring average is, yeah. right? So you spend you spend this time trying to sort out, well, what is going on? Do I need to make more? It has nothing to do with conversion. It's avoidance. Wow. Right? Yeah, that's so you good. You know, and it, it, it's any level. It doesn't have to be elite, right? A guy's making a zillion bogeys, a handful of doubles, and a handful of triples. Bro, you got to make less triples. And then we got to start making some less doubles, right? And we figure it out. Right. So is there a technique issue that's causing you to make a bunch of triples or are you just ridiculous and it gets weird? Yeah. So then we can talk about it and what gets weird. Now, for an elite player, it's, right, it's bogeys. It should be really, really hard to make a double because mm-hmm. if you can keep the ball on the planet off the tee, it should be pretty hard to make a double. Right. So then you're just talking about bogeys. So then you're talking about three putts and you're talking about some missed up and downs and stuff like that. It's not about making more birdies. Yeah, I love that, the avoidance. I don't think about it like that. I think I, I probably need to. Yeah. It's so good. Part's a pretty good score. Uh, Carlos the caddy always used to give me the stat of what uh, what 18 pars would do for you on the PGA Tour. What is it? That's it? over a million every year. It's multiple millions every year. Is if you really? just made par. Yeah. In every hole. You'd miss a ton of cuts. Yeah. You'd do pretty well, too. Right. Well, you did that PGA Championship. You'd be looking pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that's exactly right. Thinking about this like mindset and taking out, is there ever times where you just like sit and talk with your elite players? All the time. All the time. Uh, we talk every, I mean, I'm in constant communication. So they just DM me all the time. And I mean, I got players all over the country that, so you got to figure out how to communicate. So communication is everything. Right. I mean, it's everything. They just yeah. need someone to talk to. And if they're loved and supported as they are when they're with me, it's okay, and then nothing's out of bounds. So whatever they're feeling is not out of bounds. That's awesome. And it's got to be, because golf, had, I mean, you got to get a couple things arranged in your life to, to play to your potential. Mm-hmm. So if you've got some other things going on, and you've got academic issues, we've got, you know, we've got a pandemic, we've got a lot of different things going on. Right. People just, they just need to be loved and supported. And, you so know. how do you keep up with all of it? I'm not certain. I, I just I do the best that I can. I'm not certain. I just try to respond to people. And no children right now? No kids. <laughs> we did just get a puppy, so it's <laughs> just kind of crazy. We have this toy Australian shepherd right now named Graham. Nice. She, he, 
she's actually sending him off to boot camp, so he's going to be gone for a few weeks, which is kind of sad. He's yeah. awesome. He's five months old. Oh, We got him at like eight weeks. Are you falling in love with him? He's awesome. He's so good. She would maybe say otherwise, but she's spending a lot of time with him. <laughs> so she's home full time. So no kids. I mean, I guess that allows you to do a lot more things. Yeah, there's plenty of flexibility there. Right? Yeah. So because of that, there's uh, certainly some flexibility. Yep. Do you, I mean, it sounds like you're at the course, you know, open to close. Yeah, I mean, I I try not to go, I mean, I've had different, you just have to find different ways to do it. I never, ever want the financial piece to be an issue of why someone could or could not take a lesson from me. Mm. So um, I I try to keep that respectable. Um, I think with some of the the training and the background and some of the results that we have, I could probably change that fairly dramatically if if I was in a different market I know I could significantly um but I don't I don't know I just don't love the idea of just smashing someone for a lot to right hang out yeah for sure you know hang out and talk golf yeah so it's it's a tricky tricky balance but I think because of that you know the hard part for me is in season, it's it's normally like four to five weeks out to get in with me. Oh, wow. So, you know, if you get you get on a whim and someone, hey, man, can I get in next week? And I'm like, bro, it's like five weeks right now. Like, those are hard conversations. Mm-hmm. So um, people are with us, and it's an extended relationship. Um, you know, I'm not putting Band-Aids on any golf swings. It's very long-term. So people start to get used to it, and uh, it's pretty normal for uh, our players to book out, you know, three, four, five months in advance. That's wow. just kind of how it goes. Well, it shows the value that you offer and, you know, the value that your players yeah, are getting. Yeah, I think it's good, and, uh, I mean, it works, um, it works most importantly for what they need, and that's yeah. all that really matters to me. So I try not to kill myself. I'm usually just 10 to 6. Okay. So I could easily go 9 to 9. Right. Uh, but... I, I love my wife and I love my dog and and I want to bring the utmost respect and energy to every single player. And if I'm like 12 deep on the lesson tee, I don't know if I'm bringing it. Yeah, you only have so much. That was one thing that I struggle with this year, starting to really get into lessons. Is, yeah. Well, with playing golf, I'd like to work out in the morning and then you right. also are... You're doing eight hours of in the sun teaching. Yeah, it's just nuts. The energy out is crazy. Right. And how do you stay focused? And like, yeah, I mean, do you just just go? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it. I mean, if if any of my students listen to this, I'll probably get a chuckle out of it. But part of it is, I, I I mean, I'm pretty relaxed. It's not it's not super serious with me where we're just like full on grinding yeah, because there is a lot of like life talk. What's going on? How's the fam? How's everything? I mean, we're talking from elite professionals in terms of other industries, you know, where we're talking physicians and lawyers and business owners and CEOs. And I work with all these guys as well. Mm-hmm. And these guys need, I mean, they need more therapy than anyone. They just need, they love just, hey, let's just talk and what's going on. Yes. And I'm close with all of them. So I know what's going on with their family, I know what's going on with their kids. And part of it is this huge release thing, right? Mm -hmm. So then from that, they started hitting a couple golf shots in front of me. You think those golf shots get pretty good? Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, right? So then you get this whole thing. They're like, bro, I've never hit a bad shot in front of you. And I'm (laughs) like, well, I don't know. I've seen a couple weird ones. But (laughs) that's the whole point. 
right? So we get into a certain spot where you're just kind of letting it go and you talk about this flow. So the question, of course, is how do we how do we marry those two, right? How do we, do how do we get that where I'm not, because I can't start a full-time caddy business, which could be interesting, let's, right? I mean, let's talk about that. Right. So <laughs> we got to set something up where you can get into that space personally, because obviously you perform at a different level when you're in that space, mm-hmm. right? So, and I think it's a, it's a lesson for all of us, because I, I get weird out there. I mean, it's not, I'm not immune to that. It gets weird. So you how do you get back? weird shots. You got to believe. You got to have some function of trust. Hmm. You have to have some function of trust. And quite honestly, you just have to have a ton of perspective. Hmm. Is it really that big of a deal? Right. My wife's way more fiery than I am. Like, I'll look, I'll hit a weird shot in a tournament. I'll look over and she's like, What are you doing? I'm like, Babe, I swear I'm not trying to hit it over there. Like, it got away from me, you know? And she's, yeah. she's really competitive. And I'm just like, It's okay. <laughs> yes. But then I can, in certain moments, like, of course, I get super competitive, you know? I mean, right. wrapping, up, wrapping up this year was, you know, we've got this carrot now with the 3M Open, you know? I mean, the player of the year gets free spot in a tour event. So wrapping up player of the year this year was a really big deal to me because I get a free spot in the 3M Open. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, how? so you're saying just kind of the trust and the belief, and is it yep. just kind of... I mean, all the preparation you've done has got to just build into that confidence. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it can't hurt, right? Playing um, when you start playing a fairly regular schedule, um, and I don't play all the pro. I play less than most of the guys at the top. I'm not playing in every single event by any stretch. Um, but you start to right, you start to know the golf courses a little bit. You start to know the shots and. But golf, golf doesn't give a rip, man. I mean, every single golf course that we get on, there's always going to be a shot or two or a tee box or two that just straight up doesn't fit your eye. Oh, for sure. And, and you're, you're in a wonderful position walking up to that tee, what choice you want to make. If you want to just step up and commit and hit a shot, or you're just going to try to you know, put both hands on the wheel and steer that thing out there. And I've done them both. Yeah. And you can steer it in play, and you can commit and just pure it in play. And let it go. You know, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. I guess what's important for a competitive player is what does your steer look like? And do you do you have the, those guys going to a steer shot? Do you guys work on a little steer shot when they Pretty do much everyone's just going to hold the face and rotate. I mean, they're not going yeah, to. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, they're just going to let it fall right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, you you say you know missing to the right off the tee. That's yeah. kind of what you're teaching and or what most of the guys are doing and mm-hmm. stuff. Why it, it just gets pretty neutral, right? So the shorter clubs, they work more right path and left face, and they're easier to manipulate. It's pretty hard to hook a wedge. Right. So a lot of guys are playing wedges a little bit more underneath, and we're trying to get those fairly flat. Um, you don't want you know get your vertical launches down and stuff like that. Yeah. Just ball control. And spin control. That's all it really comes down to. But then when you get longer and the circle gets bigger, um, I'm not a big fan of anything dropping too far underneath uh, in the downswing because the handle's starting to work right. And basically, you've got a borderline timeout of flip. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do you ever get someone dropping underneath who just smoking it? And then it's just like, you yeah, know what? totally. Yeah. You get all kinds. Yeah. I see everything. You're and then like, I'll just whatever. show them, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm all in. If you can prove to me you can time it out, I'm all in. Yeah. 
You know? Let them be and that. the next one might be a block party, and then after that, it might be a snipe. And I'm like, bro, I don't think you can. I don't think you can time it out. And that's got to be hard, though. I mean, you see someone hit like four seven irons, you know, just pure. But then, you mm-hmm. know, every fifth shot's a block way, right? And yeah, then... and I think part of it just comes from the discussion, too, right? I mean, you just say, hey, man, what's it? What's it do when it's really good? Like, what do you love looking at? They're like, man, I, I feel like I play really good when it falls left. I'm like, sweet. Do you have like some dark part of your brain where you're worried that you're going to overdraw it one? And they'll be like, yeah, totally. I'm like, do you hit some blocks once in a while, too? I'm like, yeah, totally. I'm like, but you really feel like you play your best when it just falls left. And they're like, yeah. And they do, right? Because their yeah. timing's on and they're in that space where their timing's really good. They believe in it. 100%. I'm all in. Yeah. Right? But long term, a uh, dude that overdraws his line, that's not going to work long term. You can't right? miss long and left, too. Though. Right. So you got to talk about it. Yeah. You know, you just you have to talk about it. And if you can slowly kind of gently work someone to a little bit more neutral, where they're maybe a little bit more focused on some of their big muscles and a little bit less of the timing in the hands. It's been my experience that great players have amazing hands. Yeah. And it's also been my experience that great players use those hands in an emergency. They're not reliant upon them. I mean, there's so there's really something to the hand speed and like how some of these guys hit it so far. Like a guy like Rory, I just feel like man, it's unbelievable what's going on. I think it's going to be really interesting going forward here. I think we saw bits of it with Brooks, and you know, we got some really serious athletes playing golf, and then Bryson just went up and took it to a whole nother level. So I'm I'm pretty fascinated what's going to go on long term. Yeah, what, is, what are your thoughts with fitness and golf? I'm a big fitness guy. So. Yeah, I don't know if enough about it. I should just let you talk about it. I, I think um, mass is something. Yeah. I mean, you're going to produce more. Um, technique is obviously a big part of it, but if you throw more mass at it, should it's, be able to move it. it's going to go. Yeah. It's going to go. It's tough because then you get the outliers like the Bubba Watson and some of these skinny guys that still hit it five miles. Yeah, JT rips it, and you got all yeah. kinds of different things going. So, you know, we talk a lot um, with my players. We just talk a lot about leverage and, you know, what your pivot looks like. And, you know, do you actually lose, like, trail knee flex and actually get it up into your trail hip? And mm. is it actually get deep enough? Do, do you, you s- actually start it with your legs or are you just swinging your arms? Mm. I'm definitely ground up, 100% ground up. Okay. Yeah. So do you send your guys to any like fitness people or do you work uh, Yeah, like we do. Yeah. Yeah. Dan Tease uh, with Ethos Performance. Okay. He, yeah. He's the guy that we uh, we use and uh, he's sharp. and He's part of the BSG Corporation here? Uh, gaining towards it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've mixed together pretty well. And uh, I came, when I was with Sea Island, it came up pretty nicely with Randy Myers. Um, Randy Myers runs the Sea Island Performance Center for the fitness. He was also the head of the Ryder Cup fitness team. Okay. So um, this guy wrote the TPI program like 25 years ago for his thesis statement at Penn State. Really? Yeah. I mean, this. I mean, this guy is. I mean, he's taught basically everyone on tour. So, getting to know him and understand a little bit about how the body works has been super helpful. But I, like, literally always refer to the experts. Always. Okay. But you're working with these guys, especially with your top players. Yeah. Yeah. We just communicate and just try to talk, and you know, definitely with Dan. And I'm like, bro, he's having a hard time doing this or this, and yeah. So I'm not smart enough and don't claim to be, and I, I don't want to act like I am. So I'll right. just get smarter people involved. 
That's right. You got to build a team. Yeah. Power of the team. Yeah. So you have a lot of belief in these guys. Um, I want to dive into just kind of this belief. Where does it come from from you? You talk about service a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, what is kind of this mission that you have going for yourself and what's it about? Well, I'd like to help as many people as I possibly can. I think golf being a vehicle is just a nice side benefit. Um, that's usually what I view golf as basically as a vehicle for me to have relationships with people and get to know people better and try to help them whatever they need in their life. Now they come to me for a golf lesson, but it turns out to be something very different because they don't even, they don't really even know what they're coming for because they're coming for results originally. Mm -hmm. Right. So they see, okay, so-and-so is doing this and he's been with Brent for blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm going to go there and I'm going to get that. And then they meet me and we start having this relationship and it, it, it turns into be something very different. So how that all transpires, uh, do I methodically do that? Not necessarily. Uh, am I aware that um, I care about people and spend more time thinking about them? Yeah. I mean, of course I'm aware of it. It's, it's not by chance that I'm doing this. Right. Like, I, I want to help people. And golf is like an easy way for me to get into learning more about people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a life thing. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I'm a guy of sport. I grew up, you know, I grew up playing everything. And uh, I love sport, and no matter what the sport is. And um, obviously, I'm turbo attracted to golf due to its um, challenge and lack of mastery. I think is exceptional, you know, it's why I ski, it's why I love skiing, I could never, you know, downhill skiing. I mean, I think there's so many people that once they finish their other sports or get through it, they fall in love with golf because of the things you're talking about, the mastery or like the mm-hmm. lack of it and the difficulty of the game. There's nothing like golf. Yeah, it's an odd deal. Um, and I think the mental component to what golf um, asks of you is is absolutely brilliant. I think mm-hmm. it's just brilliant. And it's a gentleman's game. It's an yeah. honest game. Yeah. There's so much to it. Well, I think what you're doing with the life and like the way you want to connect with people, it's really inspiring. And I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's awesome because we need more people leading this way. And this is part of what this podcast is about is finding people who are out there living with a passion right. and who are doing stuff of meaning and value and finding fulfillment in things other than, you know, just a paycheck or whatever it is. So that's right. What you're doing is awesome, man. I just wanted to let you know. I appreciate Thanks, it. Man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Tell me about your game. What's been going on? Um, I just saw you got into the state open this year. So, yeah. Did you qualify? I did over at Highland. Awesome. So, what was that experience? Highland, it usually takes level par or less through Highland. It was one of the coolest, probably one of the coolest experiences of my life. I played a national championship in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to do some cool things, and this was probably the top thing ever for me. Um, so I, when I first got into golf after college, I mean, I was hacking around 95s, yeah. 100s, you know, whatever, hitting a huge slice, just an right. athlete out there playing yeah, yeah, golf yeah. and just steadily fall in love with it. And I went, uh, I worked for Chris Sauer over at Riverwood Okay. and he's just been kind of mentoring me. I went down to Arizona for a winter, then I've been down to Florida the last two winters. And just like you said, learning from people, playing right. with good, getting right. into money matches where I'm losing my money, but I'm understanding the right, game. Right. So anyway, you know, we've been going through it and. My game is a lot of trying to, what was it? It's not playing avoidance. It's okay, trying to convert. Let's convert. Yeah. Let's so convert. Yeah. There's work, but I love the process of it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love it. And getting to that part of the stage, like I've been able to shoot some cool scores in my life. Yeah. But 
I mean, I probably have three or four 80s if you go look at the PJ this year uh-huh. on my web. You know, yeah. I could shoot an 85 with anybody. Right. So coming down the stretch of that tournament, I was two over at the turn and okay. making some birdies and then holding it together was pretty awesome. And just being there, I mean, playing with guys like you and then seeing Angus and yeah. you know, all these studs just to be there in that environment for three years, it was a super fulfilling experience. Man, that's awesome. So you made a couple down the stretch and then kind of held on? Yeah, I... Uh, Did you shoot one over or level or something? One over. And no playoff? Uh, playoff. So playoff. it was a wild story. Can tell me about the playoff. Okay. Playoffs are not good. We don't like playoffs. Playoffs are uncomfortable. So, so we probably love it. And we love it. Yeah, <laughs> me and you are like, let's get uncomfortable. But uh, so I, I, I make the turn, I make two birdies, and then I par par, and I have two par fives at Highland back to back. Okay. So I'm like, all right. Like, I'm going to get in. I bogey yeah. the first par five. Nice. And I have the shanks right now. I had the shanks right before the, this, this event. So I'm just like all in my head, right? Next par five comes in. I'm on the like 15, and I'm, even, or I'm one over now. Mm-hmm. And the cut's at one over. And uh, I hit my second shot into a bunk, the greenside bunker in a par five, and it's the thinnest hard lie, and I have sculled so many bunker shots in my life. So I committed to putting it. I putted it out of the bunker to about six feet, and I made the putt. Dude. <laughs> so I was just... That is awesome. Unbelievable. So now I'm back to even par, and yeah. then there's one hard hole left. It's a long par four, dead into the wind that day. I slapped a drive out there, and I got like 200 blister in the wind yeah. over this tree, and I just smoked a five iron up over, like a shot that like, you know, yeah. long iron, just one yeah, of those yeah, shots yeah. that you're just yeah, like, yeah. yes. Hit it in there to 12 feet to a tuck pin, and I three-putt. Wow. So I hit that shot. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I did it. And I get up there, and I three-jack. Yeah. Well, anyway, I held on the last two par parts. Yeah. So I was one over, and I got yeah. into a playoff. And first hole, two guys get out. There's five in a playoff for uh, two spots. Ugh. Five guys, two spots. First hole, get two guys get out. So I'm, I'm with one of th- or, uh, three guys left. Mm-hmm. Next hole, one guy birdies, and, me, and the other guy par. So he's so in. two for one now. We went four holes, back to back to back. With a bunch of pars? Yeah, a bunch of pars. Nobody could hold it down. Good for you. It was so fun. And then the last hole, he uh, or I, I hit the green in two, and he was dead in the trees, about 50 yards out in two. He gets it up and down, and I three-putt. And wow. he got in, but I ended up being an alternate. So you got in on the alternate. I got in on the alternate. That's but awesome. That was your first state open? That was my first state open. And it wasn't the best. I mean, I didn't play the best. I, I put I started. It doesn't out matter. Well. You can't believe how big of a deal that is that you got into one now and now you start rolling this thing forward. It's and a huge it. deal, man. And you talk about grateful is one of your, your thing on your Instagram. That's it. That's it. This nothing is nothing else. This this platform's called Attitude of Gratitude, AOG. Right. So it's right. just being grateful for that experience and then, you know, building from that and yeah. Going forward with the big things. I mean, it was it was awesome. Yeah. So my golf game is a little bit of spray. We're trying to hone it in. You know, we can. You like to play and you like to compete and. Competition's it, man. Yeah. That's so life. you'll get you'll get going. You just keep trying. Yeah. Got to keep playing. Might have That's to come cool. see you. You play a couple of pro ams here and there, or what? I do. I play a few. I play down in Austin on the spam one, which is a fun one. So I play probably four or five, and yeah. try to play the assistance events. But I'm just trying to. You they know, get learn some good better. courses in the assistant events. Yeah, play all the different ones, and it's good, man. That's great. But anyway, uh, yeah. So I got two questions left for you. Yeah. And fire uh, away. First one is, you know, you talk about experiences a lot, and you've learned so much through all the experiences. Yeah. 
Are there any like books or any content? Gosh, I'm not anything? good about this. Um, so I know some sports psychologists, uh, Dr. Mo, I know pretty well, Dr. Morris Pickens. Um, I pay attention to oh, a lot of what people are talking about. I don't sit around and read a ton. I'm not going to lie. Talent Code's a little interesting. Mm. There's a couple books out there that are fairly interesting, so I dabble. I spend a lot of time, obviously, in the big book, um, the AA's big book, so I'm getting most of my life lessons from that stuff, to be honest with you. But I think what I'm noticing from a lot of people um, that are really smart is this. Um, there's a level of patience. There's always a level of perspective. And it's always just steeped in gratitude. Now, I, I, it seems to be kind of a big deal as time goes on here. And I've been trying to live this <laughs> since I was basically 19 years old. So I'm taught from a very dis- different perspective because mm-hmm. I'm taught from, <laughs> you know, a crazy life and a, a complete psychic change, basically. Having a psychological change and actually spending your life trying to uh, do a better job every single day, right? So thankfully for me, that doesn't include drinking anymore. So now I find different ways to to push that into everything that I do. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like experiences and how you get through stuff and how you work through it, it's just, it's a matter of choice. Um, I didn't used to have many choices because of the lifestyle that I lived. And now I have an enormous amount of choice because of what this gift of Mm. sobriety actually is. So from that, um, I got to try to make some half-decent decisions every day, you know, and that usually comes back to how can I help more people Mm. and how can I serve more people? Comes back to the service. Is it hard to, I mean, you have probably got some confidence from overcoming that, but has it been easier to make those good choices now as you built this life? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot easier than the other way. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it gets a lot better. Uh, every day just keeps getting better and better. So, um, the idea that it has to look a certain way or it should be a certain way or someone ought to act a certain way or you should do that. Uh, I've got some real issues right that, right? I mean, the idea that, hey, if everyone just would act right, then things would be just fine. That's a really warped sick way of thinking mm-hmm. and i'm i'm very capable of getting into that space with how my brain used to work and still does at times right so i have to make these choices consciously of how i want to take care of people and how i want to take care of relationships mm-hmm. right so does that get easier and do i replicate it more often now because of how i run my business and how i yeah mm-hmm. heck yeah of course right and then this this whole other side of trying to figure out how to get a ball in a hole and put yourself in these unbelievable circumstances of trying to win championships and trying to win tournaments is like it's wild. Going it's to play whistling straights. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, come on, right? You you get into a PGA championship and your first immature thought is like, dude, I don't wanna like top pullet and smoke a four-year-old, you know? Like, let's try to keep this thing in front of me. And my practice rounds were uh, Davis Love was getting ready for the Ryder Cup captains. He had Hazeltine. So I played my practice rounds with Davis and Zach. And so, you know, we've got, you know, thousands and thousands of people following our practice round groups. So the actual event, it wasn't like I started on 10 and, you know, yeah, you're, 
you're nervous though. I'm not. I mean, I'm not lying. You're nervous. Unbelievable. How'd the tournament go for you? I played good. I missed the cut. I played good. I shot. Carlos always tells me this. I was T nine in overall ball striking in the entire field after round one. Wow. And I was four over par. Hmm. So I made four bogeys and I made fourteen pars. Hmm. So where are my, you start looking at this experience and how you can help people and use your experiences to help other people. Where were my nerves exposed? Obviously they were on the green, Hmm. right? So uh, every single green I hit, I two-putted and made par. And every green I missed, I two-putted and made bogey. And around here, I'm somewhat um, known for my short game and scoring the golf ball. Yeah. But out there, it's a little bit different. It's crazy how yeah. that pressure comes in, huh? Yeah, it was fun, man. I hit some cool shots. It was fun. Unbelievable experience. Well, that's so cool. And I know golf will continue to take you to unbelievable places. Yeah. All right, favorite course in Minnesota here? Do you have one? Uh, just across the river, we're unbelievable. Honestly, the shot value at Troy Burn is unbelievable. Um, I, White Bear Yacht Club is a beautiful golf course. Um, I like that a lot. Um, man, I honestly... You can dig it out of the dirt. Like, if there's a green and it's, like, half decent. And, like, I just, I love being outdoors and I love golf courses. And, um, you know, there's some that you're kind of wondering, like, what they were thinking in terms of architectural (laughs) design issues. Yeah. There's plenty of that. Uh, But I'm going to love, like, most of them, to be honest. I'm going to find the, I'm going to find the high points and the good points about every golf course. White Bear is really good. Uh, we were at Minicata this morning for that championship. It was good. Summer Bee's always good. Wind Song's nice. Troy we got so many good ones. It's amazing. And we were call. just saturated with phenomenal. Hmm. My, uh, I have a home. Uh, my family has a home up on Bay Lake in northern Minnesota, just short of Brainerd. Hmm. And Brainerd's got some ridiculously good golf. You know, you start walking on some of those holes around the lakes, you know, with the classic and Craggins and, you know, people will come from all over the country to get that Northwoods experience of playing golf course around these lakes, you know, yeah. and we're just like, yes, whatever. It's absolutely gorgeous. We just live here. It's amazing. It's really amazing. Doesn't it just feel pure when you're up breathing in that air? It's pretty good. Trees? It's pretty darn good. How, how can you be mad about stuff? I know. We got a lot of great tracks, but, um, you know, I played around the, Around the country, there are some really amazing properties. And I, I think everything about a property is really who's there. Hmm. I mean, you, you get on a really cool property. It's going to be designed well. It's going to be taken care of. It's going to be manicured really well. I'm a lot more interested in, in how we're all treated and what the people are like and what those relationships are like. You get on certain properties and you meet some people that are just unbelievable. You're like, this place is going to go. Hmm. This place is absolutely going to work because of these individuals and the type of the individuals that are running this facility. Absolutely. The culture is everything. And you can see leaders from far away. That's right. All right. Lowest round of all time? I got a bunch of 64s. I haven't broken that. 64? Yeah, I got a lot of those. I will be watching out for that. Yeah, I got to get some 63s or 2s. All right, Brent. Last question I have for you. Again, I just want to say appreciate you coming over. Got a lot out of this, and I know people listening will really appreciate the time. So thanks for... I appreciate it. Thanks for... Absolutely my pleasure. Uh, yeah appreciate it yeah all right you're down the road and you have your family or you have these kids Mm -hmm. and you know you've kind of built this empire you're you know brent snyder golf everything you've ever wanted to do 
and you have these young kids growing up or young students that you're teaching. And for whatever reason, you only get to tell them a few things, you know, three things. You get a couple things to help them be healthy, happy, fulfilled. Just, you know, what are your three yeah, life it's a brutal. Lessons? I mean, that's a brutal question, right? Because <laughs> we're, we're thousands of things every single day, aren't we? I mean, yeah. it's just amazing. A hundred percent, it's just steeped in gratitude. Hmm. I mean, an attitude, you say an attitude of gratitude. I live in just being grateful. And I would, I would pass that on immediately. So that's probably number one. Hmm. Um, I think in life there has to be a, a sense of uh, unconditional, um, this idea that you're thinking of others first before yourself, trying to love people unconditionally. Mm. And um, if we can bring in just some aspect of patience and if we can just kind of let life do what it's going to do and not try to always push it or arrange it, uh, I think those, those three things would probably, probably help a few people. It's an honor, Brent Snyder. Awesome answer. Thanks, bud. My pleasure. Thank you. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thanks so much to Brent for his time here. Everyone go follow him. He hangs out mainly on Instagram. It's uh, at Brent Snyder Golf. He also has a BSG Performance and a BSG College Advising. So go check him out. He's tagged in all my stuff here. You know where to find him. As always, thanks everyone for listening. I really appreciate you being here. You know, let's keep working. Let's keep getting better and let's keep striving for something more. Have an amazing day and we'll talk to you next time. I had a gentleman ask me after the round was done, um, he was interviewing me, and he said, did you, he asked me if I hit it at any pin the entire day, and uh, I said, you're perceptive, I, uh, I didn't go at one single pin, I had a couple pitch shots where obviously you're going to go right at it, but uh, playing into the greens, I was just playing to spots the whole time, so don't give me, don't give them away, don't beat yourself, um, 